but I also have to have some care for the person, right? Some compassion for them. So even if they are, let's say, really angry about something, and it usually is coming out in our politics, to be honest. That's most of the fighting I'm seeing online and things like that is, is around the politics. I like to know, look, someone feels scared. Now, if someone's afraid, it's easier to be more, you know, empathetic to them rather than assuming malice. Or they could be ignorant, you know, because I'm ignorant too. And by ignorant, I don't mean stupid. I just mean there's some facts maybe that they haven't been exposed to. So that's a big part of being humble. And also to realize that I've done everything that that person has done before, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're being rude, I've been rude before. If they're being arrogant, I've been arrogant before. That's a humble approach. Yeah, but we have to practice it too because it doesn't come naturally to human beings. Hey, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Matt. We've made it through another year and we are kind of into our third year as the Shepherd and the Shrink. Yeah, Matt, did you know that our uh, listenership, our downloads have almost doubled in the last three months? Wait, seriously? Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of good things that people are, are real appreciative about this. And we, we want to thank all of our patrons for their support on Patreon. There's no way that we could be heading into our third year without support. And that means financial support for something like this. Yes, and the people have been so generous. Yeah, yeah. I love the community that seems to be started. And my goal is that we would just be equipping people in every facet of their lives in order to live more meaningfully. You also get some cool swag and gear when you support us too, right? Sweatshirts, all kinds of things that you can look at at patreon.com. Search the shepherd and the shrink. We also have exclusive videos of these podcasts that people like to watch and, um, and then other perks and treats. Love it. All about the bling. But basically you go to patreon.com and type in fully our name, the shepherd and the shrink. That's right. And thanks again, all. Thanks so much, you guys. It's going to be an amazing year. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit. Because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Hey, Matt. Mark T, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really good. Yeah, plenty of challenges, plenty of good things. Learning a lot. Good challenges, like uh, challenges you can sink your teeth into? Yeah, yeah. How do we improve? How do we help people develop community during a crazy time of pandemic still? And how do we help people work their way through the stress? Some of it necessary, some of it good mm -hmm. that everybody's having to deal with as they make their way through their days, through their lives and realizing that they're not alone as they do it. Yeah. And we're about, I think we've already entered the silly season, what they call the silly season when all the politics ramp up. So I think today's topic could even apply to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the truth is how many arguments have you really won by overpowering your adversary in your anger? Or, or by reason, because, because people believe based on emotions and they think they don't. Mm -hmm. um, they think that the idea or the logic is causing the emotion, but the emotion is, can work it's the other running way too. Rampant. Yeah. On the table. And I want our listeners, I want us to have better relationships. There's so much positive to say. And so I wanted to start with a really funny phrase that we use in my family. 
Okay. Family meal time is a big deal for me. And I don't know if you've got some family phrases that have passed down that you can repeat on the air mm-hmm. or not. Shut but, up. <laughs> Shut up, Dad. That'll do it. Yeah. Well, my grandmother would never say shut up. I never saw her wear slacks. She only ever wore a dress. She lived to be 95, just shy of 96. She was amazing. Her name was Florence. And I think of her dinner table. When I would go over there when I was in seminary, just for the two of us, she would have the whole table full of food. So I had to start bringing friends once a month so they could eat. And I just loved that she would love on these friends of mine from the seminary. But the problem with my family is we love to eat and we love to talk and they don't always mix well. And we'd be talking too much at the dinner table. And my grandma would say this, let your vittles stop your mouth. Mm-hmm. And I love that line. It sounds like granny from the hillbillies. Yeah, it does. She you said vittles. Yeah, eat your vittles. In other words, stop talking with your mouth full or stop talking and start eating. And the fact is, I don't know if you've studied culturally or if you have any info we Americans talk a lot. Mm, I've had friends from other countries say that you, and he's, they said that we interrupt a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact is we talk a lot. And so when we talk, we don't listen. Of course, there was the time when my mom said to my sister, Jama, Jama, stop talking with your mouth full. And Jama came back with one of the best lines of her life. She's one year younger than me. This was in high school. And she said, but mom, it's not full. I can fit more in it. <laughs> And that's my sweet sister, Jama. Mm-hmm. And so you basically, the whole idea is let your vittles stop your mouth. One time my daughter, Joy, was watching TV downstairs and Lee called out, Joy, come to dinner. No response. Lee said again, Joy, come to dinner. No response. Finally, Lee literally shouted, Joy, come to dinner. And then Joy came upstairs. She ran in the kitchen with this innocent look on her face. She said, sorry, mom, I didn't hear you the first two times. <laughs> Let your vittles stop your mouth. And you know, as we are seeking mental health, spiritual health, relational health, we have got to start paying attention to this. And I think one of the serious problems of our world today, I would be interested in you if you've got any studies that you've heard about, is this. There is a serious shortage of good listeners. Yeah. Big part of communication. Yeah. And it's nothing new. Here's something interesting. In the Bible, first century, and this was uh, written in the Middle East to Christians, Christ followers who were scattered. These uh, were mostly Jewish Christians, and it was written by James. And he said these words, and he said this in chapter 1, starting in verse 19, if you want to look it up yourself. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For people's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why do you think that we are afraid to really listen to people? Well, he answers it because he, he tells us what to do too. He tells us to be humble. So um, do you know what epistemology is? You ever study that? Uh, epistemology um, in, in philosophy is how do we know what we know is true? Mm-hmm. Because in philosophy, you don't want to just accept just because you think something's true doesn't mean it's true. Just because you feel like something true, it might be true, 
but we don't just accept it at face. So there are different types of epistemology. So you have a scientific epistemology, which is, um, you know, you're going to make some observations. Um, you're going to check it out against that. Um, we have an authoritarian epistemology, which is, um, you know, the Bible's an authority. So you can accept that on authority. Then we have a narcissistic epistemology. That means I think it's true or I feel it's true. Therefore, it's true. And um, then you can't be true because I feel like that that is part of the problem with the listening. This word, my truth, has become really, really. <laughs> Tell me the logic in that, because if everybody has their own truth and there's no truth, what are we what's the referent? I think it means you don't understand me and that's good enough for me to disassociate from you based on what I think and what I want. I think that's right. And that, that's the narcissistic epistemology. I'm right. And there's pain in it. Say more about that. There's pain in it. I think that it's a defense mechanism because people need, we all need affirmation. Even the most stoic among us need a form of affirmation. And, and if somebody's not feeling heard, if they're feeling attacked, if they feel like they're not fitting in the mold or feeling defensive and for any reason, good or bad, they will say, well, you just don't understand me. You don't understand my truth. I think we're really afraid to listen to people because when we listen all the way to the last word of the other person, first of all, I think that's a loving thing to do. It lets the other person know we really care instead of like, oh, you've said four words. I know what's coming out of your mouth. Mm -hmm keeps me from interrupting by stopping the minute I say something and she's not through speaking. And then I realize I really don't know what she was going to say to finish. The sentence. Mm -hmm. And we've all done that. And she stopped me because she would just stop, even though I thought I knew what she was going to say. So James first says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. I think we're afraid to really listen to people because listening, really listening all the way through to the last word of the other person is, first of all, it's a way to show them we care about them, but it's also giving up control of the conversation. Okay, there you go. They're steering it. I think you're onto something. I think that that's why when James tells us to humbly, what's the line at the end? Humbly of accept the word planted in you, which you can see. Humbly. Humility is a big part of this, right? Look, what, what I'm getting better at, because I'm trying to get better at it, is I'm trying to understand the people who disagree with me, especially if they disagree on a topic that's a hot topic, right? Um, and I'm starting to learn to do that. But in order to do that, I do have to check myself, accept in, instead of control, and also have a good feeling about them. Because even if they are wrong, and, and, and also, I can definitely be wrong. I've been wrong before. So I, I that's always in the mix. I'm mm -hmm. always, you know, reminding myself, like, look, you new facts can come in, and you can change your mind. But I also have to have some care for the person, right? Some compassion for them. So even if they are, let's say, really angry about something, and it usually is coming out in our politics, to be honest, that's most of the fighting I'm seeing online and things like that is, is around the politics. I like to know, look, someone feels scared. Now, if someone's afraid, it's easier to be more, you know, empathetic to them, rather than assuming malice, or they could be ignorant, you know, because I'm ignorant too. And by ignorant, I don't mean stupid. I just mean there's some facts maybe that they haven't been exposed to, right? Um, so that's a big part of being humble. And also to realize that I've done everything that that person has done before, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're being rude, I've been rude before. 
if they're being arrogant, I've been arrogant before. That's a humble approach. Yeah, but we have to practice it too because it doesn't come naturally to human beings. Let me ask you this. When you were studying for your doctorate and in order to enter into practice, how much coaching did you need? Because I know how much I needed for pastoral counseling and things like that. How much practice did you need to be a better listener and focus on the other person? How much practice or coaching or both? Coaching, yeah. Anything I know, I've learned from a good teacher. Okay. So I've a lot, right? Um, I had models though. See, we're, we're primates. And so we learn by modeling. So I had some really good models in the classroom. So I learned a lot, not by direct instruction, although I did learn some of that, but by watching someone and going, oh, I like that. I'd like to be like that. That person was patient when someone challenged them. They were still respectful when someone challenged them, for instance. And that, that helped me out a lot. I know for me, I'm so easily distracted that I have to be really conscious of the environment if it's someone that I really want to listen to. I, would, I wouldn't know that about you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, you've got it under control. Squirrel. Squirrel. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you're just so interesting that it's easy to focus on you. But I know that in pastoral counseling, a lot of times what someone's real issue is, is after we've talked and they'll say, oh, there's one more thing. It's always at the end. And that's what they really came to talk. Came in for on um, the first minute and it comes out on, um, you know, minute 59 of yeah. the hour. That happens all the time in therapy. Really? Yeah. Can you think of any bomb drops that happened? Yeah. A lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I have to say, okay, look, look, we let's, let's target that next time when, when they come in, because now I know what the problem is. The work expands to meet the deadline. That just, just happens all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, you know, and and then also, you know, they're anxious and they want to get it out. And then um, finally they've got, you know, some time urgency around that, but yeah, what you're seeing, we see all the time in therapy. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Uh So we're to, Practice listening first. Imagine if I go home tonight and with my family or with friends and I simply practice listening first. What's the attitude, Matt? It's this person has someone to teach me. This is somebody I want to care for. And kind of what James is saying is one of the best ways to show love to the people around you that you want to practice showing love to Mm -hmm. is to really listen and to listen all the way through to the end of their sentences. For understanding. We're not listening to hear sounds, yeah. you know, you know, there's a meaning um, that travels on the sounds, you know, and we want to say, I, I, we have to have that attitude. I really want to understand you. Even if you're saying something obnoxious or something that goes against my values or something, I still can try to understand you. And the feelings change when you do that, right? Our judgment tends to go away. Our judgment for the other person. It's so freeing when you learn to do that. And, it, and you realize you're not giving up control. You're allowing the moment to be the moment. And, and that's why I love how James says this in chapter one, verse 19. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. You know, the fact is we talk way too much. Some of us, I do. I don't think you talk too much, but here's the deal. Even when I'm not talking, I'm not listening. Even when we're not talking, we're not listening. We're trying to think of what we're going to say to the other person when they slow up enough for me to break in. That's not communication. That to me is manipulation. Yeah, there's a there's a payoff that maybe some people haven't thought of too. So if you're that kind of person that doesn't say a lot, 
when you do say something, there the listener's attention really orients to it because you haven't worn them out with a lot. So it, so so if you do listen when you do say something, it tends to have more authority, I think, or effect. Mm-hmm. You, you think that's right? I totally agree. And maybe there's some people listening who are more timid naturally, and we need to hear from you because the truth is clear listening takes time. Yeah. So when I have people with social anxiety and social anxiety is where someone feels um, that they're very apprehensive around other people because they're um, anxious about being embarrassed, humiliated, or judged. Mm-hmm. I, and so then they avoid people. And I, I remind them, people love a good listener. People love to talk. And if you're interested, so, you know, you actually have a lot of leverage by being a good listener. So now we're listening so we can be, have that authority. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm trying not to interrupt you. <laughs> I was finished. <laughs> it takes time. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Basically, James is talking about time and how we use our time, how we manage our time. He's talking about time. And I believe everybody's trying the best they can for the most part. I believe that. But I think I do is we've lost our focus on what's really important. Can you explain that to people? Because it really did take me a long time to understand that people actually are doing the best they can. Why do you think that is? Why is that? Because people really have a hard time with that. Like you could have done better. That's where resentments come from, you know, but how, how did that concept, how did you accept that concept that people are doing the best they can? Because uh, there's a line that, that I've heard someone say, well, my parents said that, you know, you're do- doing the best that you're willing to do. And I don't, I used to believe that. I don't believe that anymore. I think it's, it's the opposite of that. But how do you accept that? How do you understand that? When somebody's doing something, acting terribly. Mm. Okay. And, and the first thought is, my gosh, get yourself under control. <laughs> you know? Yeah. How, how, how did you make that shift? I think that maybe in my environment in my audience and the people who are making an effort who are coming to church like why aren't you sleeping in on a Sunday morning why are you taking this time which some people would call a waste of time to come and to worship to sort things out in your life and your heart to hear a word a message from God about God that connects with you with your intellect with your will with your heart I think I just go into every message assuming people are doing the best they can. So either they don't know or they, if they could do better, they would. Yeah, that's, that's right. So think of your worst, one of your worst moments where you blew up on somebody, let's say, Mm -hmm. just, just snapped at him or something like that. Um, You didn't stand back, make a decision. Well, let's see, I could really, bike this person's head off, um, or I could be, you know, that doesn't work like that. You know, it, it, it's more like a conditioned response. And look, your best day isn't every day. You know, the best you can do, um, your best will vary by a lot of factors, you know, fatigue, you know, distraction, who knows what. It could be the burrito that you ate last. <laughs> yeah, the burritos are disruptive. <laughs> I think that's really true. And I think assuming people are doing the best that they can. And that does not mean that I deny evil. It does not mean that I deny malice, that I am not in denial that people are people. 
I'm glad that you said that because, you know, there are the exceptions. There are, but I think they're rare. I think in general, people are doing the best that they can. You know, and I think it's the exception that somebody is just, you know, wants to just do something real nefarious and they plot it out and maybe like plotting revenge or something like that. I don't, um, you know, of course that can happen, but I, I think it's rare in human beings. Most people are trying to be decent people, right? That, that's, that's their goal, but it's hard. It's hard to be um, good all the time, isn't it? We, I think we're naturally self-centered. I don't know if I'd say we're naturally good. We are created good. But we all are flawed. Well, we know that because developmentally, when you're a child, you're very egocentric. And how could you not be? You know, you, you, you cry and something appears that you want. They try to figure out what you want, then they meet your needs. And then comes the time when you hear that two-letter word, mm-hmm. right? No. You're like, whoa, 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 the rules just changed. What's up? What's wrong with you? I remember getting tired of saying no so much that I made a conscious decision to tell my kids, stop. Uh-huh. Cause I just was sick of saying no. Yeah, right. So I just said, stop. Yep. And then let's deal with that. Which is better too. Cause no is negative. Um, stop at least gives them a command, something they can do. Right. That's a, I said, I didn't know how smart I was when You're I was super smart, man. Yeah. Thanks man. You're Yoda. <laughs> Hopefully I don't look like Yoda. So James says, first of all, be quick to listen, be slow to speak. You know, this is something else about the world. It loves noise. Mm-hmm. It thinks it does. I would say beware of noise. Who was it? Karl Marx. Maybe he was wrong. Religion is not the opiate of modern man, but constant noise is the opiate. Why? That's so right. But, but, but why? You're the doctor. Well, I, I mean, I'm asking you, I have my own opinion on why, but I want to know what you think. I think it soothes us from deeper thoughts. It soothes us from painful thoughts. I think that we're inundated with it. We've just learned that that's how it goes, but it's, it's an opiate. Somehow it makes us feel good. Like we're doing something or receiving something when probably some of our most profound moments of our lives, any of our lives is when we're quiet. I think you're right. And there's another element. All those things are true. It's conditioned and all that kind of stuff too. And we, you know, we want excitement, but what I notice in patients that um, get healthy, so they, they, they lose their depression, anxiety, they start to like themselves more. And as they like themselves more, they tend to like solitude where they'd feared it before, you know, solitude, just that ex- intense experience of, of, you know, maybe not intensive, but this feeling of well-being when you're just by yourself but if you don't like you, guess what? You want to get away from you. You'll fill that void with anything. And I That's believe right. every single one of us has a void. You know, the old God-shaped vacuum inside the yes. universe. And we will fill it with anything. Yes. Even if it's the most destructive junk that you could. So back to grandma, let your vittles stop your mouth. There's another verse in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that says, avoid all empty, in other words, all vain, all useless, all idle talk. Avoid all empty talk, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And I lack self-control in this. I struggle, probably because I want to be liked. I want to help out the other person so that nothing is awkward. And when I get rolling with somebody, Lee will sometimes say, honey, take them to coffee. When does she say that? Anytime I'm talking to somebody and I need to wrap it up. (laughs) I love that. 
it kills me when, when as a talker and as somebody who's preaching a message, I'll get home after church and she'll say, honey, you preached your way through two good endings. In other words, yeah. I didn't shut up. Bring it on home. Yeah. Be slow to speak. I once had a dad of when I did youth ministry, I had a dad come to me and he said this, I do not understand my son. He will not listen to me. He just gave himself the answer, but he couldn't hear it. Then he, he doesn't understand you because. Yeah. Think about it. You can't understand anything or anyone until you're willing to stop talking mm-hmm. and start to listen. Let your vittles stop your mouth. I won't, I don't understand my kid. He won't listen to me. How much do we shoot ourselves in the foot? Because we, we want to understand somebody, but we won't shut up long enough to really mm-hmm. look at them and make it about them. Well, it leads to the third thing James says, and that's be slow to become angry be quick to listen. Yeah. Slow to speak. Be slow to become angry. Angry people are terrible at listening. Okay. Let's talk about that. Cause anger is a problem for lots of people. Okay. Now anger is there for a reason. God gave it to us for a reason. Yeah. It's right. It's one of our legitimate emotions, which means that it helps us to survive or thrive in the mm-hmm. environment. It's overused. There's no question in my mind that it's overused because there are a lot of angry people. People get angry when, um, good anger, like where, because I'll ask people who are really angry, um, I'll say, look, if I could give you a pill and it's going to take away your anger and you'll never get it back though. So you got to make a decision now. Are you going to, are you willing to live in the world from here on out with zero anger? Everyone says no, you know, because they know that they're going to need it. They're going to need it to protect, mm-hmm. you know, um, to defend, tackle a problem. But here's where some unnecessary anger comes in. We're all goal-directed. Everybody wants something. Right? We're motivated by emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when something gets in the my way between me and my goal, desired outcome, then that's where the anger comes in. But, but we don't need the anger. Most things that you need to do, you could be more efficient if you could stay calm because it's easier to focus when you're calm and you know, you can think better because that anger um, hijacks, that's a threat emotion. It, it hijacks our frontal lobe and our frontal lobe is, you know, associated with problem solving, right? So the anger, maybe you feel like you're getting a little extra juice, you know, but it's not helping you. Wow. Oh, I believe it. I see a lot of people who are upset people, upset with people. They don't mm-hmm. care about the people. They're just upset mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. And when somebody disagrees with you, they're not attacking your existence. They just are disagreeing with you. There's no problem. That's when you listen and try to understand them, but it's not a threat to your, you know, it's not an existential threat. If you think, if you vote for somebody that I don't vote for, or you believe that some policy should change or something like that. These days though, I'm seeing so much of that. It's troubling. It's crazy. Intolerance, intolerance for other people. Mm -hmm. Listening can, can take us further. Um, to try to remedy that, I think. Yeah. Oh, I believe so. I put it this way to somebody. A lot of us brew a lot more than coffee. We Mm -hmm. brew anger. We let it simmer. We let it percolate. Yeah. But the problem is our brewing anger produces the careless, hostile words. Angry people consistently speak before thinking. It's like you say, we're detached from our brains. In the moment, we think it feels good. How much of the anger, though, is because they are angry inside? 
a lot. Um, there, so here's what we've really seen a lot in the last two years is um, people who have what we call free floating anger or aggression. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they're fearful or angry and, and fear and anger are very closely related. If you think about the experience of fear and anger in the body, they're almost identical. The major yeah. difference is anger moves me forward and covers the fear. Fear makes me want to move backwards and retreat. But if you think about it, they're both threat emotions and you're perceiving threat. I think that there's a direct line between our words and our heart. And James says, be slow to become angry. He doesn't say don't ever get angry because our words can be so damaging. We must avoid deep anger that seeks all this revenge. And it's so easy to understand anger. It happens when we're holding too tight to our agendas. It happens when we don't know ourselves, when we don't really know God when we have no sense of how loved we are and how much grace we've received is, is kind of the solution. And we have trouble with anger and thus we have trouble with listening because we want other people to conform to us. They want, we want them to validate us. And when they don't, we get angry. It's weird. It's such a dependent emotion. And so many people are so dependent on all the people around them because they're not giving them what they need. They just get angry about it. And, and angry angry reactions become our mo they become our way to respond to everybody yeah and that goes back to what i said at the beginning which is if we're honest how many of our arguments have you really won by overpowering your adversary in anger yeah yeah and if you're disrespectful to someone there's no you have zero chance of winning them over do you know anybody that's impacted people positively with their anger can you think of anything? Gosh, I mean, I don't think so. Maybe um, like on the football field. Yeah, possibly. literally, <laughs> physically. It helped you make a good play. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's like our anger just puts up walls. As a, in general, um, the, the gentle way wins. So because I've had some people who who've like come after me. And then my first, remember, we're not responsible for our first response. It's conditioned. So our first thought, our first feeling, that's just conditioned. And But when I've gone past and say, okay, they're being disrespectful to me, and I met them with some kindness and tolerance, I've won. I've won them over. And I haven't won like, you know, yay me, I scored a point on you. But I won in that it changed the situation and, um, you know, you, you know, help them to soften um, to me. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. That's huge. I found this poem, and I'm not into poems on our show, but listen to this. It's mm-hmm. called Listen. When I ask you to listen to me and you start giving me advice, you've not done what I asked. When I ask you to listen to me and you begin to tell me why I shouldn't feel that way, you're trampling on my feelings. When I ask you to listen to me and you feel you have to do something to solve my problems, you've failed me, strange as that may seem. So please just listen and hear me. And if you want to talk, wait a few minutes for your turn. And I promise I'll listen to you. Yeah, listening really shows respect and care, doesn't it? Yeah, what you, what you think, what you feel matters to me. It's mm-hmm. important. Yeah, I think effective relationships, loving relationships are based on effective listening, loving listening. And it's an art form, but it's something that everybody can get to. Because you're showing interest in the people around you. Mm-hmm. It's, you could boil it down to this. Listening is the art of closing your mouth and opening your heart. I think that's good. Imagine if our listeners became a group of people who 
who are relationship artists. Mm. Oh yeah. You're cultivating something, right? Sculpting it. Yeah. I think you can be an artist in your ability to grow and care for good relationships. Mm. And I look, um, I noticed this cause I'm trying to do sales early on. Mm-hmm. It's funny. The more I listened, the smarter people thought I was and the more they liked me. And that's what closes the sale. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you hear what, where to approach them, mm-hmm. how to connect with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not performing when you're in a, in an interaction with somebody, you're not performing. You don't have to be witty and you funny. That's nice if you can. Um, but uh, the most important thing is uh, that you're understanding that person that'll win them over. Mm-hmm. I think that when you look at online, there are so many, there's so few people who feel like they've been heard. And so they got to shout it. Mm-hmm. But if you could cultivate this gift of listening, being, and, and he's describing it, be slow to speak. Doesn't mean don't ever share. Be slow to speak. Also, if you think about it, does God listen to us more or talk at us more? He hears our prayers. Yeah. That's his nature. Maybe that should be our nature. Yeah. Imagine being an artist in this. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Yeah. Slow to anger. If you think about it, God is like the ultimate artist designer. Well, yeah, I created creation. Yeah. We become these restorationists like, you know, Rembrandt, Da Vinci, Dali, Mm -hmm. all the great artists. Only our canvas is people's lives. World. The world. Yeah. yeah. To handle people with care, you know, to treat people like a national treasure. Yeah. And apply forgiveness, bring out their original beauty. But it, it seems like it all starts with listening first. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes things possible. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you could treat people like they were a masterpiece, like a, a painting and handle them with such care like that. We're instructed to do that because if they're in the image of God and likeness of God, what, what choice do you have? Right. Right. Because they are. Mm-hmm. We're not just making it up. We're living the reality. That's the true reality of people. The last thing that James says in this, in this verse, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And he says this, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. This, this evil that's prevalent is everywhere. Maybe the evil is too much talking and anger. Mm-hmm. So it's like, really, we're being offered a new way to do life that is countercultural as much as anything. Oh, yeah. it is countercultural. Yeah, following Christ. If you want to be a rebel, a true rebel, don't be an atheist. The world's full of that. You could conform right to the world with that. Yeah. You know, you want to be a nonconformist, start obeying. (laughs) Well, think of the impact this could have on my marriage. When I lay aside my agenda and really listen to my wife, I have to, when she says, honey, let's talk. Uh, Early on in my marriage, I would put away what I was doing. I would come find her and I'd say, okay, what do you want to talk about? And then she'd say, well, just forget it. Why? Because she didn't want to just talk about things she didn't want information she oh. wants to talk for the sake yeah. of the relationship yeah yeah right i mean that's one of the differences they say between men's brains and women's brains whether it has to do with the amount of synapses connecting the hemispheres or what 
women communicate for relationship, men communicate for information. Yeah. And both are important. So that's why when you, you know, join with, you know, your spouse, um, you're something more than the, the, the sum is greater than the parts. Right. You know? Right. But it, it sure opened my eyes. So now when she says, honey, let's talk. My response is, do you want me to put the kettle on? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, to have a cup of tea with it. And that changed everything. Of course, she told me that's what I should say. So I was <laughs> listening. Okay. Yeah, you heard. Right. And obeyed. <laughs> I really listened yeah. and then followed through. Well, I love the idea of, of growing in our relationships, of having better relationships. It's possible, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a parent, whether you're a kid, whether you've got siblings or not. Yes. Yeah, you can start practicing right now after this podcast. You're going to run into somebody probably, right? Mm-hmm. To really listen. How are you really? And then take time to listen. I found the best question that helps me tune into somebody else is this. How's your life? Okay. Rather than how are you? You know that. Yeah. What you've asked them to do is like, tell me anything you want to tell me when you ask that question, you know, you get this at the agenda. I'm here. I'll listen to you. That's what that question says to me. And even in, you know, like a public setting or grocery store or whatever to just say, Hey, how's your life? They're like, Whoa it sets an amazing tone that has um, been such a blessing to me for so many years with that simple twist of the question. I mean, most people don't even ask, how are you? What's up? All right. I got to get to a patient. So can we pray? Yes. I hear you. Lord, I thank you so much for a chance to name and that you're so clear. Be quick to listen, be slow to speak be slow to anger. God, I pray that we would manage the time that you are inviting us into. And you're only doing it in order to enrich our lives in a way that will save us. How cool is that? So Lord, this week, I pray that you would help us be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger so we could really lean in in our relationships. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast.